Hey gang, Ross Brand here for Livestream Universe. This is Livestream Deals. It's the show where you shop the show. We present products, services, events, books, courses, and more for online entrepreneurs, content creators, live streamers, podcasters, YouTubers. And today we're going to take a look behind the scenes at how some of the companies and products that we've talked about perhaps got their funding and got their start. We have Stephen Sokoloff joining us. He's the managing partner of Tech Council Ventures, and he's been in the venture capital game for 25 years. His firm's been around for 20 years. And Stephen, it's great to have you as part of this PodMax event in association with Propelify. Thanks so much for spending some time with us. I'm happy to be here and excited about all the uh, excitement leading up to Propelify. Yeah, so uh, tell tell us a little bit about how you got started in the venture capital industry and what things were like 25 years ago, and then we can talk about what the situation's like today for both uh, venture capital professionals and for startup founders. Great. Um well, I got my start. I had been, actually been a consultant and doing a lot of work with corporate research and development organizations on how to bring new innovation to market. And those were the days when, for people who remember, Lucent Technologies was formed out of AT&T and was trying to become a higher growth, you know, more technology-driven uh, entrepreneurial company. And a recruiter found me and, and brought me in to interview for the job of running innovation. I, I won't say running innovation, but creating a venture incubator for Bell Labs. So I joined Lucent Technologies in uh, 1996 and formed a venture incubator for Bell Labs, which was an incredibly storied and historic research organization. And we focused on helping teams in the labs commercialized their innovations. And I spent five years there and we stood up 35 companies out of technology and teams in Bell Labs and just had an awesome run. And uh, then decided that there was a, a world of other large technology companies out there uh, that could use the same kind of support and co-creation. And so we stepped out of Lucent, formed an independent venture fund and uh, spent 15 years running around the U.S. and Europe uh, helping uh, other large technology corporations take teams and, and opportunities and stand up new ventures. Had a great run. And then a few years ago, decided the market's changed a lot over the, the years and there's a lot happening locally and I don't need to travel around to find great entrepreneurs and great business opportunities and got off planes and joined a fund related to Tech United that we can talk about and uh, have been focused for the last few years on local innovators. Right. And and Propelify is located in New Jersey. I've been to the, the startup event in Hoboken, uh, and I've been to some of the New Jersey Tech Meetup uh, events and so forth. There's quite a scene in New Jersey for startups and entrepreneurs that uh, people might not know about or might not have thought of New Jersey, but it's actually uh, quite the tech scene going on in New Jersey. Yes, and, and Aaron's doing a great job of vitalizing it right now. Uh, 
the predecessor to Tech United. Uh, the New Jersey Tech Council has been around for about 20 years. It was formed as an association to bring together the tech community for networking and education and advocacy and support. And Aaron took it over last year and, and rebranded it as Tech United New Jersey. Aaron had a history of running first meetups in Hoboken and then evolved that into his annual innovation festival, Propelify. And then uh, as Aaron was recruited or engaged to, to run uh, Tech United, he brought Propelify and Tech United together. So it's just a really vibrant and, and exciting way to bring the community together. And Propelify, which for the last few years has been an in-person event held annually in, in Hoboken and, and brought together a lot of folks in the community. Uh, this year, of course, will be an online event, which gives the opportunity to one, it's a little bit longer. It's now a four-day right. event, whereas before it was a one-day. And uh, secondly, is I think um, it's online, tickets are free, and ought to have a, a bigger and more diverse audience than ever. Uh, we're talking with Stephen Sokoloff. This is live stream deals with Ross Brand. And um, as somebody who got into the venture capitals and then started your own firm uh, around 2000, was that right before, right after sort of the dot com bubble burst? And how did that impact the direction of your career at that time? At the time, it was uh, right in the middle of that period. Um, I think that it, it helped my career because uh, I was working for Lucid right up until the dot-com burn. Uh, we had a great couple of years there. And then, of course, as, as, along with the dot-com bubble bursting, let's say, um, that was also the telecom industry also got hurt at the same time. And so Lucid was focused on core business and making it through some difficult times. And so that was uh, the impetus for me to take my team out of Lucent to form my predecessor fund and uh, go out on our own. So it was a, a great moment for us. And as we were focused on, you know, pretty core technologies and, and deep tech uh, investing, um, our portfolio did well through that period. We ended up, you know, with a lot of successes in those early days. And then, uh, as I said, that was a, a sort of a broader national and international effort. And then the last few years, I uh, put my old firm on the shelf and, and joined with my partners in Tech Council Ventures and excited to be focused at investing locally. Talk about when you're investing, when you're making the decision, when you're evaluating a startup when you're putting your sort of portfolio of innovation together and you're deciding which ones you want to bet on, you want to fund, you want to help get going, um, what do you look for in a startup? Is it the founder? Is it the product? Is it uh, cash flow at that point? What, is, what are the, the major markers that you look for as uh, a startup idea that, wow, this really has potential, this is something we want to get involved in? Yeah, I mean, it's, uh, it's a mix of all of those things. I mean, I'll say, first of all, we're an early stage investor. So okay. we do like to see that first revenue um, mm -hmm. to kind of prove that the product is real, that it works, that there's some real customer interest and traction for it. But we get in pretty early and we're really looking for, you know, the entrepreneur and the team 
that we hope have lived the problem that they're trying to solve. And, and we believe, you know, have a real deep understanding of, of the problem that they're trying to solve, have an understanding of the customers and market that they're trying to bring it to, have really invented something or innovated something you know, novel and valuable and, you know, demonstrating their ability to execute um, and, and that, you know, they can be scrappy and, and figure out how to, how to build a business. And then, of course, you know, one of the things that excites me about uh, investing in New Jersey and, and the surrounding community is the environment is so right for us to be able to offer the help to those entrepreneurs. Uh, Tech United, you know, itself as an organization and exemplified by Propelify is a great network to bring together supporters and, and folks to help, you know, any entrepreneur build a business. Uh, one of the things that changed over the last 20 years for me in the venture market is uh, it used to be there were a few companies, mostly out on the West Coast, right. that cared about innovation and wanted to work with startups. You would never have imagined a, a company like a PSENG uh, interested in startup innovation 20 years ago. And now that that interest and that that un, you know understanding that innovation doesn't have to happen inside your four walls and that there's a vast crowd of innovators out there, and we have a tremendous industrial base in New Jersey and the surrounding community. So, a lot of companies that represent different markets, different customers, etc., can bring help. So, one of our criteria is you know can we help find a partner in a corporate, for example? that wants to help a startup. Uh, so we love the support from the community. Plus, you know, from an economic development point of view, um, the state's gotten behind, you know, entrepreneurship and innovation and startups. And of course, New Jersey was the land of Edison. So right. Bell Labs. So uh, there's tremendous support. So, um, you know, where we think we can bring that kind of support to an entrepreneur is also part of our criteria for investment. So a lot less traveling, a lot more looking locally right now. Would you say that that's something of uh, happening all over the country or all over the world? Or is, is New Jersey just such a unique set of circumstances that you've been able to focus locally? But if you were based somewhere else, you would still be going to the coasts and going to, uh, you know, some of the, the tech hubs around the country. Um, I think it's happening a little bit everywhere for a couple of reasons. In the venture world, we call it the rise of the rest. And uh, so outside of the traditional Silicon Valley in Boston, right. now New York has become, after the Silicon Valley, the second hottest venture market in the U.S. Silicon Alley. <laughs> Silicon Alley. But, but venture's happening everywhere. Um, and people see it, you know, municipalities and states see it as a means for uh, economic development universities are excited about becoming startup institutions. So it's happening everywhere. But I will say about New Jersey, I think we're the most densely populated state in the U.S. We have a tremendous industrial base. We have a very diverse population. We have a great number of universities. So it's, it's a particularly awesome place to be doing this. Um, you don't have to drive far north and south to, to meet an awful lot of innovators in the area. Yeah. When you look at uh, a startup and then when the startup is preparing to perhaps reach out for funding, 
what is the process that goes on from the side of the startup? How do they get your attention or the attention of another VC? How do they prepare whatever it is, their financials, their, their pitch of their product? What, what seems to work uh, for startup founders who re- may think that they're ready and, and want to be uh, probably in the best position possible, right, to put their best foot forward to attract investment yeah i'd say first of all uh the way they meet me so we get a lot of inbound um so if you can find some way to sort of differentiate your introduction or get a warm introduction that helps and fortunately as i said we're it's a relatively small state the region's pretty pretty close uh there's a lot of you know density of population and networking and a lot of people interested in support so, you know, whether it's through Tech United and you know, Propelify has a speed dating event where they'll bring in lots of entrepreneurs and quickly right. meet investors. The New Jersey Economic Development Authority is a tremendous supporter of the, the entrepreneurial community and a connector to investors. So find a way to get a warm introduction, I'd say number one. And then, you know, tell a good elevator pitch about, you know, a short story about you know, what's the problem that you're trying to solve? What's your background or experience that creates the credibility that you can, you know, understand it and can help solve it and, and give me a quick, you know, story on sort of what you're bringing to market and what traction you've got to sort of demonstrate early success. Yeah. And that can be a a quick story, a quick email, and then sort of goes on and, and we get to know each other. And, you know, then we'll, we'll look for the PowerPoint presentation at some point and, and, uh, and it's, a, you know, an investment in a startup venture. I think the average time from investment to exit in a startup venture is seven or eight years, mm-hmm. and it can last a decade. And so it's a long-term relationship, often likened to a marriage. And so, you know, we'll often take, you know, three to six months to get to know an entrepreneur and, mm-hmm. you know, really understand, you know, how we're going to work together, uh, how we're going to create success together before we make an investment. And right. once we do, we're in it for the long haul. And you want to know their exit plan as, as soon as you're ready to invest? Is that something you're asking right up front? Do you plan to be acquired? Do you plan to go public? Do you uh, just plan to hold it as a private company forever? What is your what is your exit plan? What are you thinking about as, uh, you know, the next stage for your company? Yeah, I would say... I would say, first of all, I really want to understand their vision for the business they want to build versus how they want to exit at the end of the day. But of course, I want to know what motivates them and what their, you know, the vision, their vision for their future is and whether it is to, you know, build a big sustainable company uh, to, you know, put something in and and get something out in five or 10 years, uh, create a public company, whatever it is. And then, of course, you know, we are a business. We're investing a fund of other people's money who do want to return on that investment. And so we do have to see a path to how we're going to make a return on an investment. Right. And then, um, and of course, you don't have to get into specific specifics, but in general, um, what is the uh the the equity that the venture capital firm would take what type of involvement do you have as far as helping to manage to guide 
the the overall interaction you have with the founders and the people running the startup? Yeah. I mean, there's, first of all, I'll say there's a lot of different investors in the world and a lot of different right. types of investors in different styles. So uh, I'll speak for ourselves. I mean, we invest for equity in the company. Uh, we're not lenders. We're, you know, in it for the long haul. We're taking equity risk on your success or failure. And we're looking to hopefully earn a, a great return along with you in, in your success. Um, the amount of equity is that's a, you know, sort of a market driven negotiation. Right. So it's, you know, how, you know, proven are you and your experience? How proven is your product? How proven is your traction and, and demonstrated growth rate? Uh, all are drivers of uh, the valuation and, and that negotiation. And um, so, so that's sort of a, a TBD and, we're very engaged. Right. I mean, we're early stage investors. We want to help the entrepreneur build the company. We're doing this because we can help facilitate the network of Tech United and, and you know, our local companies. And in fact, we actually have corporates that are investors in our fund that want us to help find startups of interest to them. Yeah. And I guess that's not always an easy negotiation because even the startup that hasn't yet produced a dollar of revenue thinks that they're sitting on a multi-billion dollar idea. So giving away a percent of that is giving away a ton of, of money that they think their idea is going to generate no matter what they do. So it can be, it can be a challenge, right? Going into that negotiation in the beginning to say, listen, you, you need funding, <laughs> you need advice, and you need to recognize this is how things things work, that if, uh, you know, you're not able to open up and, and, and share some of that equity, you're probably not going to move forward, whether it's with uh, investors or whether it's with uh, some of your first top hires, right? You're right. It's, it can be a very emotional uh, negotiation when an entrepreneur feels, you know, as, as you just described about their their baby and uh, how much ownership and control they want to keep. And, uh, and I'll just say, you know, my advice is, you know, the idea is investors are looking to balance risk and reward. So right. if you're early stage and still sort of have some things to prove, then, you know, take a little bit of money. Don't sell a lot of your company, take right. it, take enough money to, get to the next proof point where you can mitigate that risk and demonstrate early success. And then you're going to raise more money at a higher price, a higher valuation and, and go from there. And you've worked, I, I imagine with uh, startups that eventually went IPO. Yes. And, and so there's a whole set of work that comes into advising startup founders and companies going in, in that direction. Is that something that, um, your your firm provides or is there other types of outreach that they would need to do to find that kind of help because generally that isn't something that's baked into uh, something that you're planning from day one unless they have that really really firm idea that it's something they want to do but usually when it's just an idea and a dream and then it's moving along to to early uh, marketing and cash flow that preparation process hasn't even germinated at all right 
Yeah, you're right. I mean, you know, we, we get involved in an early stage when a team might only be you know, a few people to a few dozen people. And so it's pretty early. And as I said before, you know, the average time from that first investment to exit can be seven or eight years. Right. So that IPO is, is often the future. And there's an awful lot of help and advice and, you know, things that entrepreneurs, you know, will need to, you know, to, get, to figure out and to, to manage along the way. So, yes, we try to be helpful all along the way from, you know, how do you hire your first, uh, you know, build your first team and, and your right. executives and, and build development and build sales and marketing and, and all of that. And then later on, it's, it's uh, you know, all the, all the things about how do you take a company public. And, you know, when you're taking a company public, you're, you're generally, you could be, you know, 50, 100, hundreds of people. Right. Uh, you're, you know, going to be 50 to 100 million in revenue. So you're a much bigger company and, and you've got plenty of advisors. Right. There are, besides the investors, you've got your lawyers and your bankers and your, you know, other advisors. And so there's, there's plenty of people around to, to, be, to be helpful. Can you talk about some of the companies or product services that you've been uh, involved with backing and then seeing through the process either uh, for being acquired, for for sticking with it long term, for uh, pre-IPO, you know, uh, uh, path, whatever, whatever path they've gone on? Can you talk about some of the different uh, examples that you've worked with or is that all kind of NDA? covered uh, super confidential no no i'm kidding no, um, no <laughs> usually me, funding's <laughs> listed in you know, <laughs> tech I mean, a great, just a recent story. you know one of our first investments out of our new uh tech council ventures fund is a company called stratus iot and they happen to be based in philadelphia um the founders of this really exciting duo of uh, felicity mormon and ryan bukert uh, CEO and CTO. And Ryan uh, had a history of helping all these companies that make things like uh, door locks and, and lighting systems uh, bring those devices online. So he was, he was helping clients uh, sort of make these remote control door locks and lighting systems and things like that. And he and Felicity recognized that uh, so, so if you put some home automation in your home, you usually get an app to manage those devices with, but if you're in a multifamily building, an apartment building, or you know, some kind of multifamily residence, then the building manager might want to put devices throughout the building in all the units, right. but then that single app doesn't do it for them because they've got multiple devices for multiple vendors. They've got different apartments. And so Ryan and Felicity set out to build the software to manage all those kinds of devices. And so, you know, very unique niche in the market that they understood from their history of working with these device manufacturers. So we invested, we first invested about a year and a half ago. We made a second investment as they grew the business last year. Um, they have been working with a lot of the pro large property owners and managers uh, last year, they took an investment from Comcast, who has a multifamily wow. business, and from Graystar, which is one of the largest apartment building owners in the world. And 
one of their partners was a company called RealPage, which is the largest end-to-end uh, producer of software for building management. And so recently, um, and I'll say Stratus had succeeded. They had half a million units under management. And recently, uh, RealPage decided they'd like to, to own Stratus. And right. so long conversation, that emotional negotiation over pricing that you described between the investors and the management team and, and a real page. And we settled on a price and closed the transaction a couple weeks ago. So Stratus is now part of real page. Right. Right. Oh, that's fantastic. And a lot of um, people who listen to this podcast and, and watch our, our live stream shows work in the online marketing content creation space whether it's providing video services audio services social media marketing and strategy uh email marketing the whole spectrum um what areas do you think startups need the most help with and how would you recommend for either small agencies or solo entrepreneurs go about uh if it's a if it's a market that they can uh, perhaps provide services to, how would you recommend they identify and approach uh, different, different startups? Yeah. I mean, uh, I mean, first of all, we're generalists. So we're Mm -hmm. looking at opportunities across all different business segments. Uh, We look at consumer oriented. We look at healthcare, particularly healthcare IT and healthcare services we're looking at enterprise technology. We're looking at clean tech. Um, but all these companies, you know, share the common need of, you know, developing a product or a service that, that reaches customers, that sort of engages customers, that makes commerce easy. And this year we've had, you know, because of COVID has sort of accelerated the need to do a lot of that online. Right. I mean, my business you know, has transitioned pretty successfully. I used to spend three or four hours a day driving around the state and the region visiting with people. I now sit at home. I got back that two to three hours. I do everything online. People come to me on whether it's Zoom or Microsoft Teams or Skype or WebEx or whatever. Right. And, you know, this online engagement is so critical. Um, And so, you know, any startup can use the help of folks who know how to help them reach out to customers, find customers, attract their interest and engage them in a commercial, you know, engagement. Yeah. It's an amazing shift that a lot of people who've been doing face-to-face primarily uh, or, you know, phone calls and face-to-face have found that, boy, they can save a lot of time, get a lot more meetings in during the day and save their energy that they would spend commuting and traveling, and which we know is is often quite draining uh, over over the course of the week. So um, it, it's interesting. Do you find that you're more productive? Do you find that you are um, missing something by not sitting across the table from somebody? How's the the experience overall? Uh, just from somebody executing their own day-to-day business operations doing it now probably almost entirely virtually and often through you know these type of online platforms 
Yeah. I'll say, first of all, I'll say I'm lucky because mm-hmm. my business works this way pretty well. I totally right. appreciate there are a lot of people for whom these times are much more challenging. And, you know, if you're making something, if you're trying to provide a personal service, very difficult. So I, right. I you know, really feel, you know, badly for, for people that are having more struggle in these times. For me, it's been a big enhancement of productivity for two reasons. One is, as I said, I got back that two to three hours a day. That was all right. travel time. And I can sit in my home. I can get on, I'll say Zoom, but you know, sometimes I'm on three or four different services. Sure. 8 a.m. to 8 p.m. And uh, just you know, solid, productive use of my time. <clears throat> the other thing I think is fantastic and maybe goes back to the question you asked me earlier is I want to, I want to help connect my entrepreneurs to other people, or I want to help as I'm understanding an investment opportunity, bring in experts to talk to those entrepreneurs with me. And so now that a lot of people are at home doing the same thing I'm doing, it's actually super easy to facilitate these kinds of interactions. Right. And so you know, I can get, if I was looking at a, a consumer business in the perfume space, I can get my friend in London who's in the perfume business on a Zoom call tomorrow right. and have an interaction and, and learn something and create a connection much more easily than I used to. Right. So those are the ways I think it's great. What I miss is, you know, there is some personal interaction that is helpful to building a relationship, really getting to know someone visiting their offices, seeing their team and how they work together. So there's certainly some interpersonal connection that, that is lost. And I just did an investment recently. Here's a a kind of a funny story. And I had been working on it for six months. So I'd already spent time with the team. I'd gotten to know them personally. We'd had a lot of face-to-face interaction, but in the course of completing the investment, I brought in a couple other venture funds and one of them on the eve of the, the transaction called me and said, Hey, you know, I, I've actually never met these people in person and I'd really like to do that before we close this deal. Right. And so they talked and they actually picked a parking lot halfway between them and met in a parking lot for 45 minutes, six feet apart, <laughs> six feet apart have a little personal interaction before we close the deal. So that that is what gets missed. Looking ahead, um, I remember hearing Gary Vaynerchuk speak at a couple of uh, one New Jersey Tech event that I went to, one Propelify event, and this is going back a few years. And he would always say, you know, if you have the opportunity, get going now because these times won't last forever. Eventually. Uh, People won't be investing in these companies and you won't have all the same opportunities. Where do you see now it's 2020 and like you said, it's still a great time, uh, particularly looking locally and looking at the New Jersey scene. Where do you see uh, kind of opportunity going for the startup founder and the, the, the investor as, as we move into 2020s uh, we're already in 2020 but as we move forward in the in the decade over the next three to five to ten years yeah i i you know i would i mean gary's a great speaker and a great mm-hmm. entrepreneur um but i think you know all times are good times and and, right. and 
we say in venture, you know, the, the worst of times can be the best of times for investing. Right. Uh, real successes can be made out of the worst of times. Um, but I would say, you know, this is, a, as, you, as I said before, and as you just repeated, you know, this is a great time. There's a tremendous uh, support for innovation in the community. Um, the state's really behind it. Um, you know, companies are interested in innovation. People want growth. And there's a lot of problems to be solved. And, you know, these particular times for all the challenges that COVID and, and the current, you know, certain economic conditions are creating, those are also creating opportunities for innovation and opportunities for people that can solve some of the problems that these times are creating. So, you know, if you're in, you know, you know anything along the lines of, you know, how, how, do, how do we help the education system? Right. When there's, we're online, we're hybrid, we're trying to protect students and teachers and administrators and, and workers. So lots of problems to be solved there. Uh, you know, look at what's happened to Zoom in the stock market as an example of, right. you know, innovators that can help us, you know, work together in, in these kinds of times. Um, the healthcare system is going through, you know, tremendous change and, you know, I, you know, around access and, how do you have a doctor visit without, uh, you know, necessarily going to the hospital? Right. You know, all kinds of problems that need to be solved right now. So it's, it's a great time to be about thinking about innovation. So Stephen Sokoloff, for people who may have a solution or think they have a solution or are working on one or maybe even have proved there's a market for one, how can they find you uh, either online or get in touch with you? What's the best way for them to reach out to you and learn more about what you do. We have a, a good website, Tech Council Ventures. Uh, my partner and my pictures are on it along with our emails. So that's uh, you know, a way to reach out. And as I said, an even better way is, you know, find a friend of ours to make a good introduction. Right. And uh, Aaron Price and Tech United and Propellify is a good way to do that. We've been talking with Stephen Sokoloff of Tech Council Ventures as part of the PodMax event presented by Propellify. I'm Ross Brand for Livestream Deals. Thanks so much for joining us. We'll talk to you again on another episode of Livestream Deals. Thanks, Ross.